I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. Clearing cobwebs off the trail. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, on one hand, I've never gotten over the strangeness of the feeling. Sticky, damp, surprising, all at once. But on the other hand, there's something comforting about these silken tripwires the spiders leave in darkness. I know that I'm on track to make the most of my day. The early bird will get its worm. Over the last 20 years, I've walked this trail to Index's upper town wall more times than I can remember. The trail, it stays the same, steep. Even the dug fir forest around me, even these trees that grow two feet a year and might be 40 feet taller now than when I first walked through them, they seem the same to me. I am the one that changes. I've been the wide-eyed youngster with brand new gear and wonderfully in over my head. I've been cocky, so sure of my climbing skills I was willing to leave the rope behind. I've been confident enough in my experience to fail and then try harder. Today, I'm not as ambitious, bold, or strong as those former selves, but I am happier, calmer, and maybe even a little bit more psyched to be here, even if it means walking through the morning spider webs. Two summers ago, my good friend Dave and I pooled our funds and bought 600 feet of rope. We lugged it 2,000 feet uphill along with an old beat-up dry bag and found an acceptable hiding place in a hollowed-out log where we could leave it for the summer, so both of us had access to it. Together, we dialed in a solo belay system. Maybe it was Seattle. Maybe it was being parents. Maybe it was the fact that Dave and I and oddly many of our other close climbing friends are all business owners. I'm not sure. But our once reliable partner group was getting a little less reliable. And we were guilty of it, too. It seemed like there were always constraints. Someone had to leave a little early or go late on good climbing days. Our rope solo system didn't mean that we always had to go alone. It simply made it conceivable that we could get 1,500 feet of harder climbing done in a few hours versus an entire day. This last summer, time was at a premium because the weather was so good. It was one of the driest summers on record in the Pacific Northwest, so that any day not spent doing something kind of felt like a missed opportunity. As a family, we did our first rafting trip, where I ping-ponged my way through Mellow Rapids as Becca and the kids laughed at my novice oarsmanship. I lay on a gravel bar with Tep and watched as the Oregon sky darkened and revealed stars. We talked about growing up and the importance of wild places. Earlier in the day, he'd watched as a herd of bighorn sheep cross the river. It seemed to leave a mark on him. We explored the wild forests around Mount St. Helens. I watched Tep get to the top of his first 5'7 granite crack climb. 
We hung amongst the redwoods and the wild coast north of San Francisco. Another friend talked me into running some trail races, the first time I'd run in an organized way since my high school's regional championships. I made it a point to watch the boys while Becca trained for a seven-day mountain bike ride in Colorado. We spent incredible time with family and celebrated my brother's marriage. It felt like our family was growing, putting down deep roots. There's only so much time, though, and as much as I'd like it to be family time and 5.11 multi-pitch routes, they aren't compatible, at least not yet. My windows for personal experiences were fewer and smaller, and I'm fine with that, but that didn't mean I couldn't make the most of them when they appeared. So the process was simple. On weekends, when we weren't traveling, I'd wake up before the sun and make the hour drive to Index, sometimes with Dave when our schedules aligned. I'd haul ass uphill for 45 minutes to the top of the upper town wall, a flawless strip of granite overlooking the broad Skykomish Valley. I'd arrive at the top drenched in sweat, dig the gear out of the hollow log, anchor the ropes, rappel to the base of the wall, and then climb continuously upward on what was essentially a 600-foot-long top rope. Then I'd repeat the process, again and again. And then I'd leave by one, before Highway 2's notorious summer traffic could set up. Afterwards, I'd take the kids, swimming in the lake, or over to a friend's house for a barbecue. It's all optimized. Not because I'm some sort of neat freak. I'm not training for anything. It's just efficient. And if I want to keep climbing in my life, I need to be efficient. In my 20s, I felt like I needed climbing to grow as a person. I poured my heart into it. There were years where I climbed 300 days. And it taught me a great deal beyond the craft of climbing. Here's a few of the things I feel like I learned. I felt the most successful when I made myself vulnerable to failure. To me, the unknown outcomes felt more profound than the known outcomes. Think calm, even when the situation is anything but. There's a big difference between cutting your losses and giving up. Hard work is a part of the process. You'll never enjoy the end result if you don't enjoy the effort on some level. Growth occurs just beyond the horizon of your skill set. Realizing opportunities... It's much easier than creating opportunities, so make the most of them when they appear. Most importantly, it taught me the beauty of presence, of being here, in a moment, even as it slips past. Now, I find growth in raising Tep and Wiley. I find it in my relationship with Becca. I find it in my friendships. I find it in my work and creative collaborations. Those climbing lessons became the foundation that I built from. I still love it, but some of the urgency has slipped away. I no longer need to push myself to enjoy myself. I've watched my friends and peers realize incredible dreams. They saw blue sky above them and grew upwards towards it. They hopscotched across the world. Some of them reached the top of their craft. They authored ridiculous lines up mountains, followed rivers into the wrinkles of the deepest canyons, and found the edge of human endurance. Some have made careers documenting the world's wildest places. I've watched my friends from those early years of climbing grow up, become these people that many people, including me, look up to. When they swing through Seattle to stay for a night before catching an international flight, I make sure Tep peppers them with questions about their journeys across the globe, about their experiences, and all the incredible things they've seen. 
They pull out their iPhones, and he flips through the frames. The next morning, they catch a flight off to some exotic place. I make lunches for the boys, walk Tep to school, and ride my bike the three and a half miles to work. I'm glad Tep gets to meet the people I've shared big days in the mountains with when I was younger. I'm glad he gets to see people carve an alternative path through life. They found a calling and grew to expand it, upward and outward, and that's amazing. If I look back on the last 10 years, I'm often surprised that I didn't end up on their trajectory. Certainly I had those opportunities. There were years where it seemed like my bag was always packed, oscillating between here and there, waiting to be somewhere else. Personal evolution though, it can be hard to sense. And I realize now too that I was growing. Something inside, quiet and steady, called me in a different direction. One that I struggled against at first. Something inside of me knew that to become strong, I needed to grow down. The roots connect the tree to the forest, and I needed to be part of something bigger than myself. So I grew down, looking for nourishment, for stillness, for presence. On the top of the wall, I pulled the ropes from the bag, slightly musty from the summer's humidity. The sun creeps above the horizon. Light spills over the mountains into the valley. I flaked the ropes, anchored them to a tree, and tossed the line into a sweeping arc. I repel in. The instant exposure completes the job the morning cup of coffee could not. I am awake and keenly aware now. The climbing at index is kind of hard to explain. The holds are small, and the moves are often cryptic. If you're not used to it, it can kind of feel stressful. It's precarious, but through the years, I've grown comfortable with the insecurity. It's a place where technique trumps power, which is good for a middle-aged dad relying on muscle memory versus strength earned from strict training regimes, which I do not do. I work upward. It all blurs together. At times, I kid my friends that I'm like Dustin Hoffman's character from Rain Man, repeating the same jokes over and over, except with climbs. I never used to be like that. I like trying new routes, always willing to wander around looking for an out-of-the-way cliff I'd yet to visit. This summer, most of my climbing days were spent climbing the same five or six routes over and over again until my feet ached. I get to the top and descend again. I'm eye level with the treetops. The big firs sway, pushed and pulled by a summer breeze. I think of the roots that hold this tree in place. So often, I think of these big trees as fixed, still, immovable objects. But from this perspective, the paradox is clear. It's possible to simultaneously be grounded and dynamic. I keep climbing. The tiny town of Index, Washington, it belongs on a postcard. The ice-blue Skykomish River pours from the Cascades. Almost every hour, the train roars through town and over the old bridge that looks like it's straight out of Stand By Me. I hear the train coming. Across the valley, the hulking vertical mass of Mount Index looms. I keep climbing. After 20 years, I have yet to tire of this view. I doubt I will. I feel that the range of ideas I pursue, it's expanded on a personal level. But the geographic footprint I now inhabit has narrowed. These days I don't need climbing to be a crucible of growth. I need it to be a connection to places I love and the community I've come from. And most of all, I need it because it's fun. And fun things are worth doing. 
I keep climbing, and then something happens. I lose track of where I am. I mean, I know I'm at index. I know I'm climbing. But all the years, all the moves, they blur together. And for a second, I can't remember where I am on this particular route, or even what particular route I'm on, or how old I am, whether I'm a 19-year-old wild-eyed kid, or an almost 40-something still finding joy in climbing. It's complete presence. I've stopped looking forward or backward, grown down, rooted into the wonderful network of moments that define my life. I pause, I smile, and then I keep climbing. Diaries is made possible by the good people at Patagonia. They wanted us to take a second to tell you about a project we've been working on, the Bears Ears Education Center. Our collaborators over at Friends of Cedar Mesa have been working on figuring out how to start building the infrastructure for Bears Ears National Monument, even though it's been diminished in size. And part of that started with building an education center. So. We set out a couple weeks ago to raise $100,000 to help create the purchase of a piece of property that would become the visitor center. And well, we blew past that and we're on to, we set another goal, which was $185,000 and we blew past that. And now we're shooting for $225,000 by the end of the year. It will fund the exhibits, it will turn the lights on, it'll update the plumbing, because you do need bathrooms, right? And normally this is a part of the show where we ask you to support the diaries, but right now, Bears Ears, needs those funds more than we do. Patagonia feels the same way. They've made a terrible contribution too. Please consider making a donation to the Kickstarter. You can find more at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Additional support comes from Kuat Racks. Want a bike rack, but don't want to block your post-ride tailgate? The Pivot allows your bike rack to effortlessly swing away for premium tailgate access. That means you can sit on the back and drink beers. Sweet. Check out their lineup at kuatracks.com. Kuat because you love your bike. And support also comes from Vossen Brewing. You could be drinking one of those beers on the back of the tailgate. That's incredible. Yes, if you're in the Richmond area, pay a visit to their gorgeous new top house. And please tell them thanks for supporting the show. Vossen, hail the journey. Music today from Canyon Kids, Jason Tyler Burton, Little Glass Men, and Cloud9. The tracks are courtesy of Free Music Archive. Jacob Bain and East Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, this episode was written by me, Fitzcahal, and edited by Jen Altschul. Becca Call is our executive producer. Yay, Becca. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.